Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac Jack and Jim's This Week in Sports. Uh, today, two-time Super Bowl Dallas Cowboy legend Jim Jeffco won't be joining us as he is with his whole family getting together to celebrate his mother's birthday and Mother's Day in one day. I think uh, his mom's birthday, Jack, was on Thursday. So, you know, you know what's really cool, Jack, what I've learned about a lot of uh, former sports, uh, you know, players, uh, athletes, they're very family-oriented. They're very friend-oriented. I mean, they're pretty loyal uh, to, you know, to the to their friends and family. And uh, I talked to Jim uh, earlier this week, and, of course, he told me a couple – he texted me a couple stories about his mom, which were very amusing. And, uh, you know, uh, so happy Mother's Day to everyone out there, uh, the one to people that are following, that watch later uh, from Mac and Jack and Northeast Streaming uh, Sports. Um, you know, Jack, I'm a little old school, right? You know that. And, of course – so was my dad. And I had a kind of a special relationship with my dad. We were kind of friends. I mean, I respect him as my father, of course, or I would get a butt whipping, but we became very, very good friends. And there's one thing, though, that I've seen, not just, you know, that I did, but I've seen from even boys today. When you don't feel well, it's all about mom, right? You're all hanging all over mom. You know, dad kind of takes his back seat when, when a young, young, young son or young boy isn't feeling well, it's the same thing with the, of course, the daughters. But it's just crazy how, you know, when you're not feeling well, that mom is the first person you turn to. And no matter how much of a hard time I gave my mom, and I did, Jack, I drove her out of her mind. I was one of those boys. Uh, if anybody ever bothered my mom, I was like an attack dog. You, you didn't bother my mom, right? So I don't know about you, but uh, that's the type of relationship I had with my mom, Jack. Yeah, well said. I mean, it's a special day, really, for mothers all over. My mother passed away some years ago, but I, you might, my, but I realized after she had passed on, she loved me more than anyone else in the world. So I would never quite have that again. As much as my wife loves me, she loves our daughters more, okay? Yeah. Which is fine, and that's the way I really wanted. And I have a great relationship with my wife. But with my mother, I always knew like I was number one, you know, no matter what. It drove my father a little crazy, but, you know, that's just the way it was. So in a certain sense, after she passed, my father told me, you know, you lost your best friend. And yeah, and he was telling the truth. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I said, Jack, you know, uh, you know, my father would bring me to work. He'd bring me to wherever he's going. He showed me how to work on a car, all this stuff. Yeah. But when it came down to it. I mean, when I wasn't feeling well or I had a problem or something like that, you know, my mom was always there for me. So uh, my passed away a few years ago, too. Miss her a lot. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I want to I want to um, thank Pags, you and uh, and Doc for filling in for me yesterday. Uh, some of you people watching know that I'm, I, I ended up in the emergency room. I have a real problem uh, with my hernias. Uh, I didn't get it fixed yet. It's, I'm still in a little pain, but I'll make it. Uh, I'll get that operated on as soon as I can. Uh, I'd like to apologize to Jason Gonzalez. 
because he was supposed to come on the show yesterday and give us his Kentucky Derby outlook. You know, he knows a lot about the Kentucky Derby, but switching uh, guests ho- need to pass for host kind of left. Right, him to write it for the Louisville Courier Journal. Yeah, kind of left him out in the cold. So maybe if we can, we'll try to get Jason in here. You know, this upcoming week, we'll talk a little recap of the Derby uh, as we'll get to in detail when Keith Angle comes on. So I want to thank you. Well, we have in like what in three weeks or so we have uh, the Belmont Stakes, I believe. Yeah. So right, right. So him coming in before that would be a nice, you know, lead cool, in right? and then go back and review the Derby as well. Yeah, yeah I think so too. So uh, we'll get Jason on here if he's willing to come on. Um, so anyway, might not want to come on after the way you stiffed him, Mac. I mean. <laughs> I, you know, don't assume. I mean, you left them. You left them hanging. And well, like I, I, I wasn't. I was on again. I was in touch with him, Jack. I tried everything I could to get him on, uh, but uh, of course, when you change hosts and you change shows, a lot of things kind of get lost in the in the shuffle. You almost didn't make it. So, um, yes, uh, Rick, I'm doing okay. I still got to get some things done. Yeah, Doc. Doc, listen, Doc, Doctor, Doctor Paul is one of the most thoughtful uh, hosts we have on uh, Northeast Streaming Sports. He does a Yankee show called Start Spreading the News. And him and uh, E.J. Fagan, Dr. Fagan, do an incredible job uh, on that show. Well thought out. Uh, Dr. Paul is becoming quite the author. Uh, He's got a couple books already done. He's working on another one, getting awards. So uh, anytime we can get Dr. Paul on, we love having him on because he's very, very – no, Mac, he has a great capacity to listen. Yes. I mean, I wish I had that stronger capacity where I always didn't have to come in and give my view. He, he'll sit back. He'll wait until we exhaust ourselves, till we punch ourselves out. Right. You know, he'll go with dope us, and then we'll be exhausted getting our viewpoints across. And then he comes in with clear, concise, knowledgeable viewpoints. Yes, very, very good. And, of course, Pag's. Is the Philly sports guy, and if you see him as a Philly sports guy, he's a total raving crazy man. But when he's in the studio, the man again, well thought out, knows a lot about sports, and did a great job hosting uh, the debate show yesterday. So you know, we're going to cover the Kentucky Derby. We're going to talk about the NHL. We're going to talk about the you know about the NBA, um, you know, and all that good stuff. MLB. But first, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about something. That is, to me, is incredible, Jack. I want to talk a, a little bit about Otani and the performance he had against the Boston Red Sox. I mean, what he strike out 11, 12 Boston Red Sox batters. He hit the ball so hard off the Green Monster and knocked his number off the Green Monster. And, I, you know, I don't believe in ghosts and spirits, but my God, I mean... It, I, I I had to pause. It was it was Babe Ruth out there somewhere. I mean, Babe Ruth, of course, a great pitcher for the Red Sox, and pitched a little for the Yankees, the the, the home run leader back in his era, the King, and and Otani is doing something even Ruth really didn't do except for when he played with Boston, and that's hit home runs, strike out batters, pitch well, play the field, right field like Babe Ruth did. I mean, I don't know about you, Jack, but it kind of it kind of was a little eerie when I watched that performance. Uh, well, <clears throat> you're giving a Babe Ruth analogy. If there's a higher source, you know that he's in the Babe's body or whatever. 
Uh, I'm just going to quickly say the 1977 World Series, the sixth and deciding game when the Yankees beat the Dodgers, and Reggie Jackson hit three homers. He was playing the babe's position, and the first baseman, Chris Shambliss, hit a homer. He was playing Lou Gehrig's position. That was the 50th anniversary of when the Yankees won in 1927, when they won in 1977. So that higher type source thing did come to my mind. When it comes out, Tony, I'm going to tell you what I think of Mac. I think a little league, believe it or not, little league. Remember when we played little league ball, when any kid played little league ball, your best player did everything. Your best player, he pitched, he played the outfield, he he, you know, he played every position, and that's what reminds me of Otani. He plays with joy. He plays like a little leaguer. You get the feeling he wants to be in the lineup all the time. You got if they put him at second base, I, I think, think he so. would gleefully run to second base. He'd run to I, shortstop with a smile on his face and say, "Let me try this. I can play shortstop." I, so he I, plays I with the joy of a little leaguer. And I get the feeling also when Altani gets to the ballpark, if they say this game is postponed because of rain, his day is ruined. His day is ruined. I think he can't wait to get to the ballpark because he loves playing the game. The way we did as little leaguers, when we were told the game was postponed, we were down. We'd be in school all day. We couldn't wait for school to end so we could play our game. Yeah. I Jack, I agree with 100% with everything you said. I mean, they man truly enjoys every part of the game and you know it's just to me i know if we'll see another one like this maybe so maybe because he started it again maybe we see more of these kind of type of players but man what a performance backstage right now we have keith angle from tgi sports talk has a great show great interviews talks about a lot of stuff in sports covers almost anything and keith was out there posting some of the things about kentucky derby i think he was into it so we want to bring him on, and I want to talk to him a little bit about his picks. I mean, you know, at least mine finished fourth or something like that. I don't know. He had, I don't know what the heck he was thinking. But we're going to bring him on and, and talk about the Kentucky Derby with Keith. This is the first, folks. So let's bring him up. Uh, good morning, guys. To Matt, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, I, I mean, I'm hanging in there, Keith. I still got a lot of stuff to do. But um, at least I'm not uh, down at the hospital. Well, if you're on the Giants, Mac, with Bill Parcells coaching, you'd either have to suit up and practice so he wouldn't want you around. Right. He'd send me home. He sure would. Yeah. And at this point, Jack, I would thank him. I would be like, thank you, Coach Parcells. I got to get home. Uh, Keith, (laughs) so every – listen, to me, this was the most in-depth coverage of the Derby I've ever seen, right? The the networks took it over. They had pre-races. They had – Stories on the, the on the owners, on the jockeys, on the horses. Um, you know, it, it just it seemed to me like an NFL presentation right? in a way. I mean, they did an unbelievable job. Yeah, NBC for years has been doing this, and and actually, I don't know if they did a lot of it yesterday, but they would even show races, you know, leading up to the Derby. But the in-depth stories <laughs> and some of the crazy outfits that people are in and the hats, it's always fun. It's all that pomp and circumstance that makes a Derby kind of what it is. Uh, it's a unique event. It wasn't the most perfect day down there. It looked kind of cold. I never did hear the temperature. but It's in the 60s, I heard. Yeah, it looked 60s. cold. When I was watching the Outriders bring the horses out, they were all of them were kind of bundled up a little bit. So. Anyway, it's a great event. It's a, it, 
for for something that happens one <laughs> for once a year for two minutes, um, they do some great coverage and and make it interesting at the same time. I mean, you don't get bored during that. They had to be on for four hours yesterday. It seemed like. I mean, even 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 my wife, Linda, was up near the TV picking horses during the other races. Uh, her her horse she picked in the Kentucky Derby didn't do too well, but you know something, nobody expected what happened. Anyway, I don't care if somebody st- comes on the air today and says, "Yeah, I picked," you know, I picked up uh, exactly. Picked, if anybody <laughs> says that, I'll call them right to their face a liar. Listen, I mean, that, don't be. There'll be people with winning tickets, but they didn't p- take the picket, uh, the ticket because they thought the horse would win. They just wanted to make a bunch of money if something crazy happened. Right? What I tell you was pretty funny. I picked Happy Jack to win with that name. How could I not? It was a 22 to one underdog. Right before the race began, Happy Jack wouldn't get in the gate. They had to force Happy Jack yeah. in the gate. And we're, my wife is watching with myself and we're cracking up laughing because this horse didn't want to run. And at the last moment, they forced the horse into the gate. And, of course, did, Happy Jack didn't do too well. Max says that's kind of what happens with you every morning. He's got to Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of forced in well, I force myself to do it, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so anyway, uh, it was – to me, listen, you know, all through my life, I'm not a big horse racing fan. I don't follow a lot. But when a race comes on, for some reason, I'm mesmerized. If I'm walking by the TV and the race is on, I'll stop and watch it. It's so much excitement and so little time. And, and just to watch the, these horses run at, you know, 40, 40-plus 40 miles an hour, it, it's just incredible. I mean, and you, you know, Keith? I, I do. And, I, it, again, it may be – again, the Super Bowl gets the same kind of casual fan uh, uh, viewership. But I don't know if any sport – any event, I should say, gets the kind of casual viewership and people involved in betting money and watching for four hours than the Kentucky Derby. I, I just think it's a one one of a kind event in the, in this country today. And it's again, it's a spectacle that's a lot of fun. I don't. I mean, I used to follow horse racing a lot closer than I do, and I, but I still get into the uh, Triple Crown races and and certainly the Derby more than any. And this was a wide open race, and, and you saw yesterday what can happen in in a in a year like this. So. Yeah, when I mean, when this horse is, is bought for thirty grand, is ready to be, you know, put to pasture, and they put him in a week before the the the, uh, the Derby, and all of a sudden, a week this, before Friday, he was not in the field on Friday morning. This horse. So there you go, and I mean, listen, for for that to happen was just, I, you know, again, if I ever hear anybody say, "Yeah, I picked him," I just call him a liar to their face. I mean, as you said, seventy nine to one is is a lot of odds, and maybe somebody throws, no. you know. There, there could be some people up here in the capital region that did that did legitimately make wagers because his sire is a horse called Keen Ice, who's owned by some, uh, 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 well, they're businessmen that that run horses. Same, same, some of the same group of people that had Funny Side back in the day. Uh, if you go back and I don't know, gosh, we're probably talking twenty five years ago now with Funny Side. Um, he was a local uh, Albany area, Saratoga area. Uh, horse and this horse was was sired by a horse that was very and he ran in the derby a couple of years ago keen ice didn't do very well but he had some big races and it's a, there's a local flavor to this win up here in our area so that brings another you know dimension to it as well you know the way the race unfolded they came, they went out at a really fast fast pace and oh. it's like rich strike picked Killer. up pieces at the end laid back just enough and then was able 
to come in from the inside lane. I mean, why such a blistering pace like that? Were, were the horses, was anyone trying to prove anything in particular? Well, I think some of the, I mean, it, the post positions play a lot of, uh, uh, play into that a lot. The horses on the inside, and I think Epicenter was stuck on the inside there, and he went he went to the to the front uh, early. But again, that, that kind of pace, and some of the horses like Messier and, and, and the other favorites just, again, it's a pace that they could not keep up. I mean, my horse kind of hang in, hung in there for a little while, and then about eight horses went by him in about, about three seconds. But, you know, that this is the kind of uh, – when you get a pace like this, a crazy pace that nobody's really expecting, that's when you get these crazy things. And he got a great ride from his, from his jockey as well, saved ground all the way. If you, watch, if you watch a replay of the race, he nearly gets blocked at the rail – before the 16th pole and he somehow almost pulls up not to a complete stop but pulls up and goes around him and still has plenty of left to, to, to run down the leaders and it was an impressive ride and just an impressive uh, a day for for a horse that as we said took a scratch on friday morning to get in this field at all that's very true so what what was funny to me and was interesting has after the race how you know how how strike decided he's gonna bite the hell out of the oh phone. My gosh. Oh, what was that about? Yeah, I've never seen anything and, like that ever. And bite the, the the guy that's running. I mean, he's trying to stop him, he's biting him too. That horse is that horse is nuts. I mean, they tried everything they could to stop him from biting that that, that little pony. I guess I, I've seen it happen, Mac, but not like all the way down the backstretch coming back. That scared the heck out of me. I thought something bad could happen there. That horse was worked up, and I don't know if it was a filly and there was something else going on there. I just don't know uh, what the deal was, and I probably ought to look into it a little bit more today. But I've never seen – I mean, he was really going after him. It looked like my two cats wrestling and trying to kill each other in the living room. For I was going to say, that pony didn't want – no, he wasn't wrestling nothing. That pony no. wanted nothing to do with He wanted it either. He looked like he Mike Tyson going me. after Holyfield. I mean, I, I, I kept thinking, let him go. Just let the horse go. Why are you standing there keep holding on to this guy while he's biting well, you and biting well, the horse? But, yeah, I think, I think they were worried about the horse getting away, too. I mean, I that's why they had the outriders in the first place. But. I wouldn't care. If I was that guy and that horse is biting me, good go. See you later, buddy. It's fine. Well, did you see the outrider? He kept putting his hand out there. I was afraid he was going to get his arm ripped off for crying out loud. He bit him, too. I mean, that was yeah. crazy. I mean, yeah. that horse, that horse is, is ornery, man. Oh, my God. So They might have to suspend that horse for uh, – Yeah, suspend the horse for the yeah, – yeah. it'll, nice, it'll be a nice change in horse racing that the uh, horses get suspended and not the yes, trainer. Yes, You can't yeah. race in the <laughs> So let, let's spin it off into the Yankees a little bit. I mean, they're 18-7. and seven. The last uh, game they played was a little tough loss to, uh, to the Tampa Bay 2-1. to one. They got a double header coming up. Yeah. Toronto. Sorry, Toronto. Thank you. Um, yeah. But they got it. They got a. Uh, they got a doubleheader coming up to get today against Texas. Um, the thing I am impressed with with the Yankees, and I'm impressed with a few things, is as I told you, is the bench. Now, last year, if the Yankees were having a doubleheader, I could almost guarantee, you know, they're going to at least at, at the most split with this team uh-huh. because all the starters are going to come in, and then he's going to put whoever else out there. This year, Keith. Besides having the options of rotating defensive players in, pinch runners, and switching <clears> positions, <throat> they have a bench where they can actually go out and give the Texas Rangers, if they start their starting team, 
a little bit of a problem. So what do you think? Do you think the Yankees uh, sweep this doubleheader today, or do you think it's just, you know, the odds are no? Well, you know, it's always hard to sweep a doubleheader, but and the Yankees got a tough schedule coming up because of these two rainouts the last couple of days. And it's unfortunate, too, with the momentum they have going. It's You don't want to have those two days off. That's when you don't want them, right? But I think the Yankees, the Rangers aren't playing that well. They're, I think they they might have actually swept the Phillies recently but to, to make their record a little better. But I don't think the, the Rangers are have near the talent the Yankees have, obviously. As you mentioned, the bench certainly helps on days like today. And the fact that, you know, while he's not really a bench player, but DJ can move all over the infield. You got uh, Marwa Gonzalez who can play almost everywhere on the field, it seems. And, uh, I mean, that type of thing helps. And it's a short bench, too. I mean, there's only – and I'm not sure with the with the moves that they made last week, but last thing remember there was three guys. That's all they're carrying on the bench is three guys. So um, bench is important. These double headers and it'll be important coming up because they're not going to have any off days for a while now. Very true. Is is this the year where they start cutting back on relievers, Keith? I, I think the Yankees got like 16. I think there's so many relievers you can carry. Yeah. Is it this year or next year they do that? Well, the, it's this year, but it's because uh, with the with the shortened spring training, they let the, the the teams carry more guys in the beginning. They had to cut back. I think it was uh, they could have twenty eight. I think, if I'm not mistaken, to start the season, they had to go back to twenty six. Here last week, they allowed the the teams to carry up to sixteen uh, pitchers, uh, which is, you know, again why the Yankees only had three bench players but now i think they were supposed to have to go to no more than 13 pitchers with this cut down and major league baseball allowed it to go to 14 so i'm not sure yet whether they're going to keep it there for the rest of the season or or drop it back to 13 13 stole a lot you know historically and it's it's how the game's played today right because every game's got four or five pitchers in it you know years ago teams didn't carry 13 pitchers they carried nine or ten pitchers you know that was all they they carried but the with today's game, you gotta if you're gonna if your starters are only gonna throw 80 pitches and you're gonna need guys every single night. You can't go with 10 pitchers or even 11 or 12. You can't make it through the year. Is this going to be a breakout year for Michael King, where by next season he could assume the role of Yankee closer if Chapman falters if Chapman's not back? He could. I mean, he's obviously pitching very well this year. Um, he'd had stretches before this that were he was very good, and he's been a, a top prospect. He was a, he was a starting prospect for a long time, and who knows? I mean, depending on the Yankee bullpen situation going forward uh, after this year, they could stretch him back out for the for the rotation. But this kid seems to have found his niche in the bullpen, and I don't know that I would mess with that. He'll definitely be an integral part of this uh, bullpen and potential. Uh, a potential candidate to close once uh, Chapman is no longer uh, in pinstripes for sure. I like the kid a lot. I like his makeup. I like everything about him. Talking about young Yankee pitchers, Schmidt Schmidt pitched very, very well uh, in the early season. And he got caught up in the numbers game last week. He was one of the guys the Yankees had to ship out, but you haven't seen the last of him and he'll most likely be a starter at some point. Uh, But he's pitched well out of that bullpen early in the year too. Yeah, but Schmidt was supposed to be kind of like a phenom, and it hasn't quite worked out that way. They're kind of waiting on him to develop a little more. I didn't like him being sent down because he certainly had pitched well enough to stay. He did. They had to make some tough decisions, though. And, you know, again, he's not going to be there long. He'll be back. He'll be back. He's pitched very well, and he's had some injuries 
that have derailed him a little bit from his from his progress the last few years. I really thought he'd be in the rotation by this point in time, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. But different factors have kind of derailed that a little. Whatever bit. happened to Debbie Garcia? Debbie's still in the minor leagues. Um, he could be a factor here at some point, um, you know. But with this Yankee pitching staff, you need to have a, a lot of starters. He was a Yankees prize prospect two, three years ago, and it just hasn't worked out. I still think like Schmidt and even King, I think were higher rated prospects than Debbie. He had a, he came up and had a good start uh, to his career. And look at he's a journeyman. He can go out there and give you some innings, but he's never going to be a you know top three starter. I don't think anywhere in the major leagues. But he's a valuable guy to have around uh, depth wise. Yeah, I don't think so either, Keith. A quick quick note on the Patriots. Uh, the Pats cut the vine. I hope I'm saying this right. Ozigbo. Um, after failing a physical, he had ankle injury last year, played a lot of, uh, uh, I should say a lot, but quite a few games for you guys. Um, so, I mean, the Patriots have got to get their linebackers in order. Uh, this is, it's too bad. The, the kid seemed like when he played, he was pretty good. So, mm-hmm. Any any information you want to give us before you check out about the Patriots, what's going on over there? Yeah, I don't have a lot of information on that particular situation, but the linebacker situation overall is something that, you know, is a bit of a concern because it was something we thought they'd address in the draft and they really made one pick. Um, so other than that and, and picking up uh, the kid from uh, uh, Wilson uh, from uh, Cleveland, who, who's got some potential and they like what he can bring to the field. This is a position that the, they have to address because, you know, Hightower's gone, Vinoy's gone. They want to get quicker and, Right now, they haven't gotten anything because they didn't haven't really re- made that many moves in this area. So, big right. place the Patriots have to figure out here. I agree. So, Keith, have a great Sunday. Uh, Keith will be on it with his show in a little bit, folks. Check out TGI Sports Talk, one of the better shows on Northeast Streaming Sports. He always does a great job. Keith, thanks for stopping in, my friend. Thanks for having me, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Okay. Yes, thank you. You too, Keith. All right, folks, we'll uh, keep going. And backstage right now, we got one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite commentators, uh, analysis guys. Uh, uh, he's he's all over stuff. I gave him a couple different things to do because I know Robert, what he's good at, right? Robert will break the biggest stories. He loves the NFL, likes the NBA a little bit. But Robert, I've never heard him talk about boxing yet. So I said, hey, listen, Robert, I want you that's why. Smart is that why. So so I wanted to see what Robert would do with last night's fight. And of course, you know a lot, a lot about boxing more than most people. So I thought it'd be interesting to have him on and talk a little about Baval and Canelo. A good fight, very good fight. I mean, uh Baval beat him in a 12-round decision. Uh, but he was just a little bit too much for Canelo. So let's bring up Robert Butler from Sports Fo- uh, Spoke Sports Scope, guys. One of the best, uh, another one of the better commentators we have on Northeast Streaming Sports. Hey, morning, hey, guys. How you doing? How you- hey, Robert. Yeah. So, so yeah, he just says yeah. Uh, so Robert, of Sorry, course, like yeah, that's all right. Like, like I said, J- Jim is not in today. He's he's with his mom. Uh, celebrate yep. Mother's Day and her birthday. So uh, it's just me and Jack today uh, to irritate you a little bit, Robert. So in boxing last night, Canelo, the best pound-for-pound pound boxer, is what everybody said, goes up to fight 
Bavall at light heavyweight. Some people thought he could beat Bavall. And uh, a lot, in fact, a lot of people thought he beat Bavall. Bavall ends up winning. I heard there might be a rematch, a bunch of stuff. What are your thoughts on the fight last night, Robert? Well, I read it was a major upset. He was a plus 400 uh, to win that fight. So somebody made some money. Somebody probably threw some money on the underdog. It wasn't as big as the Kentucky Derby uh, upset there. That was a huge 81 odds. Mm. So from that perspective, Cano's last loss, uh, from what I understand, was to Floyd Mayweather. Guys, Twitter was trending this morning, Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather. And I'm a casual observer. Jack is your expert. I like to give you guys a different take. And that's why I'm sure that's why you wanted me to ask the boxing. My thing is, boxing is not like the other sports. There is no preseason, regular season. There's no playoffs. I don't even think it's got a commissioner. So my thing is boxing is the more, one of the more disorganized sports. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that and move forward. Yeah. Yes. So my point is it's an event sport. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see this guy Boval bait Floyd Mayweather. A casual guy like me to come out of retirement, a casual guy like me would pay the money. It would be good for the sport. Right. I paid money to see Wilder and Fury. Uh, back in February before COVID hit of 2020. And I thought that was a great fight, great event. And I would love to see uh, him. It was Floyd Mayweather. It can happen, Rob. Let me cut in. Let yeah. me tell you why it just can happen on two accounts. Floyd Mayweather loves his 50 in the record. He doesn't want to jeopardize it by having an official loss. That's why he's fighting exhibitions. But let's say in the unlikely event he does make a comeback, a legitimate comeback yeah. where his record could be put in jeopardy. Bavall is a light heavyweight, and Floyd Mayweather is a welterweight, and not a big welterweight at that. So he would have to jump up, like, you know, from middleweight to super middleweight to light heavyweight. It's like three divisions. Yeah. And he would try to force Baval to lose so much weight to make it happen. It's just not viable quite with the weight, you know, with the weight differences for it to happen. I know on the surface you figure, well, Floyd fought Canelo and Canelo fought Baval. So with you're connecting yeah. the dots, feeling based on that, they can meet. But logically speaking, that wouldn't like quite happen. And also Canelo had a rematch clause put in the contract. You could do that when you're as big as Canelo. And yeah. he says he's going to exercise the rematch clause with Baval, so they're actually going to do it again. Do you think maybe they would possibly do it as an ex expedition? Uh, exhibition, uh, that word always. Mayweather and Baval? Yeah. No, no, no one would have any interest. I mean, if, if Mayweather was going to do an exhibition against an elite fighter, They'd want to see him against Canelo because they they think it could get real in there. They couldn't see him just playing around. Uh, Mayweather's going to fight these nonsensical exhibitions like against Logan Paul, these YouTube yeah. guys. And uh, he's Mayweather wants to be relevant and he wants to make money. And that's the safest way of doing it, having these exhibitions, because if by some chance he should... Uh, I don't want to use the word lose during an exhibition, but 
not perform well when most people think he did lose. It won't go on his record officially. It's considered like a, it's the equivalent of team sports and exhibition game. Uh, take, yeah. let's say the Patriots had beaten the Giants in the Super Bowl and had the unbeaten season. I, no one remembers what they did in the exhibition season, but let's say they yeah. lost an exhibition game during that year. No one would say, well, the Patriots weren't unbeaten that year. That would basically be the equivalent of it. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, Canelo is like the biggest, you know, boxer in the sport. So loss like that kind of has repercussions. And also Canelo, like Mac mentioned before, guys, was uh, rated the number one pound-for-pound pound fight in the world, consensus, consensus-wise. Now he lost that, and Baval wasn't really in most people's top ten. He was a little outside of that. So he's not going to take the number one spot. So who's that go to? Does that go to the number two guy, Terrence Crawford, now? Because Canelo moves out of that slot. So that opens up the pay-per-view thing a little more. And now, and we did, Rob, also, because yep. Mac had set it up, the Spence Yuga special, that show. And after that was over, everyone was saying that's the only fight left, Spence against Crawford for both guys. Now Spence, predictably to me, is talking about fighting Keith Thurman, having another fight in the interim. And... I'm not optimistic that fight's going to take place, but uh, I know I'm talking a lot. Just one more thing. Yeah. Last night's fight, all three judges scored at 115, 113, seven rounds to five. The judges came on a lot of criticism, and I wrote a story last year called Judging Canelo, where it was a research piece. The way the judges have favored him <clears throat> his whole career and I detailed spe every specific fight. Last night, most people, like I said, didn't feel it was that close. But what was interesting, and this is a rarity in boxing, guys, all three judges scored every round the same. Yeah. Every round the same. So it's hard to criticize judges who get every single round the same way. Oh, so, wow. So anyway, ahead, I, I, wanted, I wanted Robert's thoughts because i knew it would yeah. be from a different perspective <laughs> i wanted but, to fight mayweather <laughs> but yes yes you do i mean what what will be really interesting to me with this canelo uh maybe Baval rematch if that happens there's another fight coming up with two of the light heavyweight champions are going at it better be and joe smith jr so if whoever wins that fight Better Beav is going to be favored. I'm picking Joe Smith Jr., but Better Beav will be favored. That was supposed to be the next fight. It was supposed to be Canelo going up against the winner of that. Well, that's been changed now. So Baval has kind of thrown a monkey wrench in Canelo's quest to kind of go up against the real uh, light heavyweight champion, or I should say the one everybody feels or takes notice as the real light heavyweight champion, which is Arthur Better Beav. So that's interesting. And uh, that's enough about that. So the Raiders, yeah. Robert, the latest team to be put under blast for a hostile workplace environment. Uh, they fired the head that have operations, uh, Dan Vitrelli, yeah. after he sends the reports to the NFL because Raiders owner, Davis, didn't take any action. What do you think is going to happen here, Robert? Uh, 
according to Mike Florio, he's got a legal background. He the pro football uh, talk. He's saying that the Raiders are going to push to put this in an air quote kangaroo court where none of this is going to go public about these allegations. Mark Davis was saying this guy was the interim president. He was not the actual president. And, you know, you got to think about the Raiders. Things were going really well. I mean, they re-signed Derek Carr. Uh, They've got Josh McDaniels there. They had the successful move. Now, this guy's been with the organization for quite some time. He was a big part of moving from Oakland to Vegas. And I was reading that Davis is not like his dad, not a micromanager, wanting to change the game plan midweek. So this is a big blow for all the good momentum that they've had. And I'm curious to see how it's going to play out if if what Mike Florio said is going to be true. Uh, but this is not, you know, Congress or anything investigating We'll see if, it, if if all this goes public or not. Do you think there's any chance that if it doesn't go forward, because now we're now we're starting to go multiple teams, Robert? That, I mean, the Congress got a little involved with the, yeah. the commandos there. I mean, uh, if Davis is coming out and saying this is not untrue and he fires him, I mean, isn't that maybe civil action for for uh, Ventrelli that he could take against the Raiders if it is true? Yeah, and I think he's there's been hints that he's talking to air quote cancel the fact that he's already came out about this. It's like he saw this coming as soon as I uh, my understanding from what I've read is uh, Mark Davis poo pooed this and then he went to the NFL. So right. yeah, he's probably going to sue Davis, and uh, it, it it all remains to be seen at this point. And let's not jump to conclusions, yeah. guys. This yeah. also could possibly, and I'm not saying it is, be a case of a disgruntled employee, someone who got fired from their position. Now they're lashing out. They're making accusations. Anyone can make accusations. So far, we don't know what went on behind the scenes, if anything. Uh, I'm sure you guys have been in positions where you see someone who's employed, they're constantly complaining about management no matter what, and then they get let go, they want to sue, and everyone on the outside tends to jump on the bandwagon and believe it's true. It might be in this case, yeah. but then again, there might be nothing to it as well. Mike Mack was let go, John Gruden. So this could have something to do with that. Josh McDaniels coming in. Uh that could be some hidden uh, agenda, uh, uh, not meshing of personalities, something like that. I don't know about Rich Basakia getting replaced by Josh McDaniel. That would seem to be a coaching decision because Basakia was an interim coach technically, yeah. even though he did a really good job. Mike Mayock, why was he let go? I guess, uh, I don't know. The Raiders haven't been doing that well drafting guys recently too they had a little you know some problems yeah. so i don't know well you know the the, the interesting t- thing to me as robert brought up is relationships right because to me nobody thinks about relationships when it comes to front office players and yeah. coaches and stuff we all think about well this guy's a great uh scouting guy and this guy's tough and this guy's a player's coach and this listen a lot has to do with the relationships from people coming on board, the newer people, to the older people leaving. 
And I think just like a marriage or just like a friendship, things sour. And 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 no matter what you do, and, and, and then as Jack says, hey, listen, the best information you can have is a former disgruntled employee, right? Because he has nothing to lose now. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm not worried about getting fired anymore, which to me, I think the order was he went to the NFL, then got fired. I'm not sure, but that's what I think I read. If that's so, then of course he's going to open up a little bit more about it. If I'm worried about making, I'm making $200,000 a year. And if I open my mouth, I'm fired. Of course, I'm not probably not going to say anything or I'm be very, very careful about what I say. But once I leave, yeah, whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so anyway. but that, Rob, don't you think there has to be accountability? I'm asking you, like in the case of you, Jackson, he originally accused the Cleveland Browns of wanting him to tank and lose games. He was the head coach. Then he started walking back the comments. And then the NFL had an investigation. They haven't found anything to it. But he was 0-16. Yeah. And he didn't deliberately go 0-16. No coach in their right mind is going to lose games because then they're going to lose their job. They're going to, going to want to win games. Uh, yeah. so don't you think there should be accountability if someone has made a false accusation? We keep saying, well, if we find out what they're saying is true, the owner should have to lose his team uh, or this or that. What about the person making the accusation that was totally false? Right. I mean, look at this crazy Hollywood uh, situation with Amber Heard <laughs> and Johnny Depp where you've got suing and then you, and you've got counter suing. Uh, that would be interesting to see. Uh, one of the owners, uh, look at the Stephen Ross situation, Brian Flores, counter sue for reputation. Uh, maybe they think uh, our way of getting back is maybe blackballing this coach or something like that. Of course, now Flores is working with, with, with Pittsburgh. That would be interesting to see that. I guess maybe they think, it well, since we're rich and billionaires, that it would look bad public relations wise. But yeah. I don't know that something like that. I, I may think about doing a counter suit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you know, you, you know, you can't, you can't just come out and say stuff because you're mad, right? You can't. Yeah. I mean, even if if somebody said, well, you know, I mean, listen, you know, we're owing, we're owing twelve. Who cares if we lose the next four games? That's not telling somebody to go out and lose, right? I mean, I guess you yeah. could take things either way. So let, let's get to the a little bit about the quarterbacks on a bubble, Robert. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize how many quarterbacks this year are pretty much playing for their lives. You know, we know about Daniel Jones, Wentz. I think this is his last go-round. Darnold, Locke's going to get a shot. Tannehill with Tennessee. I mean, if he don't perform well this year, you could see him be gone. Hurts, Tua, Trubisky, Goff. I mean, there's so many of them. What do you think? What quarterbacks do you think will survive this year, Robert, first? Uh, my guess is if I were odds maker, I would probably put Tua because of the offensive-minded head coach, all the money they spent on Tyreek Hill, the running game. They're probably going to be more successful. My guess is they'll probably make the playoffs as a wild card, may push for that division. If Tua can stay healthy, I mean, he's pretty accurate at times, guys. I don't want to be too hard on the guy. He's not as athletic as some of the other quarterbacks are in this league that can get out like a Josh Allen, for instance, in the same division. So Tua would be my favorite. Possibly, now, you know, listen, Jared Goff has been to the Super Bowl. They made a big uh, – they've had a good offseason. 
they they drafted Jameis Winston, uh, what's his name, Williams, out of Alabama. Uh, we talked about Amon St. Brown, uh, USC wide receiver, fourth-round pick, got at 900 yards, uh, really bust out on the scene. Maybe Detroit keeps Jared Goff for another year. Looks like, I mean, they didn't go crazy with quarterback uh acquisition so those two are my favorites uh as far as jones and, and the others even Tannehill, I, I think this is probably his last year with tennessee here out of nashville uh not unless they win the super bowl <laughs> what i'd like you to do rob I, I this is a great idea yeah i'd like the rabbit butler listing of odds which quarterback not counting an injury strictly based on performance not injury is most likely to lose his job. You list every NFL quarterback. Obviously, Pat, based on performance, Patrick Mahomes would be listed like 600 to 1. He's not right. about to lose his job. He'd be 32nd. But you kind of wonder between the Carson Wentz's, the Drew Locks, Marcus Mariota, Daniel Jones, yeah. you know, who's going to lose their job first strictly based on performance? Oh, it's got to be Drew Locke. I was never sold on Drew Locke. I've never seen a good game. They don't have a backup, really. They have Geno Smith. I think Washington. I think Carson Wentz after maybe five games because they could go back to Tyler Henneke or someone yeah. like that. They Heineke, have someone yeah. more likely to slip in there. So, so Robert, yeah. here's a question for you. I mean, a lot of it has to do with what team you play on, what the system is, and, again, relationships. Yeah. What teams you think would benefit? Now, we just talked about a lot of quarterbacks from a straight up tr trade from one team to another. For example, Daniel Jones gets traded to Tennessee Titans for Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Any one of those kind of things. Do you think any one of those possible quarterbacks are in a bubble? That kind of trade could help the other team. Uh, I, I don't really think so, but I, there will be a team to try it. Somebody's going to go after. Jimmy Garoppolo, guys, my guess. I think once he starts throwing in July, I think that could be a late trade, uh, something like that. After Jimmy, maybe Atlanta or somebody, I don't know. But these guys right here, I, I just don't see it. Uh, it's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to make this big explosion. Uh, I don't think Sam Darnold's going to put anybody over the top. I look at a guy like Jalen Hurts. We're going to find out that he he's – A.J. Brown is such a big acquisition for them. He's not going to cut it there in Philadelphia, my prediction. Could be wrong. Been wrong before. I was wrong about Lamar Jackson. I thought they would be done with him. But I just think he's going to be one of the first. And mind you guys, next year I was looking at the mock drafts for next year. <laughs> C.J. Stroud from Ohio State is considered to be a bigger prospect then the Alabama uh, quarterback, Bryce, and, and I thought that he was going to be the number one guy. He looks good. He kind of reminds me of Russell Wilson a little bit. Uh, and he's going to get better, young out of Alabama. And Stroud of Ohio State even rated higher than him. This is a much bigger draft uh, than that draft, much deeper as far as quarterbacks are concerned. A lot of people's looking at, particularly Seattle. I think Seattle's going to win like three or four games, guys. <laughs> They're gonna get the number one pick. My prediction. Right, Rob, any word on Baker Mayfield? Is he gonna be picked up by a team? What do you predict is gonna be with him this season? Will he play? Will he be with Cleveland? Will he be with another team? Or just sit out the year? 
I think I think he'll get cut at some point this summer. And as I really do, like we talked about last week, guys, I think the owners are ticked off at the Cleveland Browns for giving Deshaun Watson that 232 guaranteed. Uh, the owner of the uh, what's his name, Biscotti or whatever, uh, of the Ravens publicly said something about it. So I think somebody's going to pick him up. Maybe Seattle, uh, maybe Atlanta, maybe Carolina. The usual suspects will go after a Maker Mayfield to come in and air quote compete for starting job. And who knows? Maybe Matt Bryan is long in the tooth, guys. Uh, he may get hurt now. He may not fit their culture per se, but teams, when injuries happen, teams get desperate. So keep that in mind, those teams for Baker right. Mayfield. Uh, great points. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk about it. We'll go to more Embiid with Pags, of course, with the Philadelphia 76 yeah. But I want to get your thoughts on Embiid. I mean, you know, if he didn't play last night, I can almost guarantee that he goes up three zip. Now he comes in. Yeah. Uh, what a warrior. I mean, this guy, I I, I, I had a feeling he was going to play. And and what are your thoughts on Embiid compared to the rest of the players in the NBA, Robert? What do you think he fits in? Is he just uh, one of the top five? Is he a top three? Is, is, is his overall game better than anybody out there? Well, I, I think you, you got to put top five, top seven. You know, the guy's got a lot of heart. He's been banged up with injury got that crazy mask on. He seems like a man that's on a mission. Uh, that is a good story. That The Embiid coming back is a good storyline. They were 0-3 against uh, Toronto in the regular season. and We see how well they played against Toronto in the playoffs. Uh, they were looked at going down 0-3 in this game. And uh, they, when they win by 20 points, today is going to be a huge game. I mean, that is a huge, huge game tonight against Miami. That being said, they're uh, two and five against Miami. Uh, that remains to be seen. I, I think Miami probably still wins this series, but I do think he's going to win the MVP. And I, I, as far as long-term, I don't think he's going to be the best player. I mean, you saw what Giannis did yesterday. We, we know about Embiid's injury history going all the way back to Kansas. And I think he's going to come up short, but he is a good story to follow in the NBA playoffs this year in particular. I don't know what Philadelphia is going to do in the offseason um, if and when I think that uh, Philadelphia will probably lose this series. So, Rob, you're basically saying the two best players, correct me if I'm wrong, in the NBA are Giannis and that Embiid. No, no, I think he's top five, top Top set now, Joker. I would probably put Joker above and beat. You know, Who would you say is the best play in the NBA? Oh, Giannis. Right I think Giannis. I, I kind of lean towards there. But well, let me ask you this: Did the young Warhorse give up necessarily? LeBron give up that title. Look what he had to play with around them this year. Yeah, uh, LeBron. If you watch a lot of LeBron games. Uh, he's in spurts now. He's been injured the last couple of years. He's on the back end of his career. Uh, LeBron is a great story as far as as far as consistency and fitness. Uh, he's almost second to none as far as yeah. durability. But we're all human. He's been hurt last year. He was hurt the year before. Hey, he's almost forty. You yeah, know, heck yeah, heck yeah, I agree. <laughs> One quick question for you, Robert. That's 100 years in dog years. Yes. <laughs> one, one, one quick question for you. 
What's yeah. going on with the Cincinnati Reds? I mean, they won last night, but it, I mean, yeah. this is one of the worst starts in the history of baseball. Cincinnati, a couple of years ago, they were talking about them going to the playoffs and the World Series. And now, what? I mean, what? What is going on over there? Well, they're tanking, according to uh, I don't know, uh, Jack, if you heard this writer's name, Rick uh, Bazosic. No. Uh, it's kind of a mouthful. Used to write for Sports Illustrated, writes for W. Uh, drb.com he says they're basically tanking and, and he did bring up the fact that they've got a third uh payroll of the Dodgers but I, I'll combat that with that they their payrolls higher than Tampa and Oakland's payroll so they're gonna have to go out and get better scouts guys they're on the pace to have the worst record in the history of major league baseball by oh, a long really? shot according that's to this a good article. odds too do you will they have the worst record or will we you know baltimore who you'd think would be in contention for the worst record actually has a good farm system good yep. young players and they're going to get better so now they've been saying that's a great baseball town cincinnati they deserve better than what they they're do. getting they definitely do so and, and I will, I will bring this up. The owner, someone asked him the question, well, would you sell the team? He says, if I sell the team, the new owner would take it to a better baseball city. Yeah. That's what he said. Can you guys believe that? I don't yeah. know that any better baseball cities out there. Than well, find well what he means by a better baseball city is somebody that will build him a beautiful new stadium. That's what, uh. he means. That's what I think he means, but there's sure not a better baseball city. Uh, around in Cincinnati. So that's, that's <laughs> all crazy. So folks, we'll let Robert go check for Robert and his sports watch van is he gets the quickest updates on the air. He has a great show sports scope with a K check it out. Robert's all over the biggest highlights, the biggest news and has great commentary. Uh, whether you agree or not, he keeps you thinking. <laughs> So as long as he keeps you thinking. Well, I usually agree with Rob. I agree with him 97% of the time. I mean, I learn about 50% of my new stuff he comes up with. But Bival against Mayweather, I had to call him out on that one. Listen, listen. The general public wants that fight, Jack. They they would buy it. They would buy it. I agree with you. You got me there. It's it's trending, guys. It's trending. Didn't Mayweather fight the big show? Well, he broke the Big Show's nose. I, no, yeah, I don't think the Big Show well, it's probably that. wrestling, but Mayweather, if, you, if the money's right, Mayweather would do it. Yeah, he might. Oh, yeah. Uh, he might. 200 million. Fight. Listen, guys, I don't know how Mayweather <laughs> went through a few hundred million dollars needs the money. I uh, don't you know. Lavish lifestyle. There you no. go. There you go. All right, Robert, you have a great Sunday. Thanks for coming in, as you always do. We love Happy having. Mother's Day. Have a good Sunday, guys. So Robert Butler, Sportscope, always enjoy having him on. He's always all over everything. Listen, he is right about Mayweather, but it makes no sense to me, but he is correct that people would tune in, they would get it, and it is a big thing to them. Of course they would, Jack. You know how how people are. People want to see certain people, right? I mean, it's like it's sort of like that bad TV series you see, but that one one actor, people would would, would keep tuning in for that. So, folks, we're going to take our first break. On the other side, we're supposed to have Jamie Paggs, the Philly sports guy, in. I've been I've been working him to death, Jack. He's on every game now. We're overworking him, Mac. I He's going to wind up getting burned out. 
No, Philly guy is like me, Jackie. Yeah, you're overworking him. It's the way Gene Mock did with the Philly bullpen in the 19th and of the Philly starters in the 64 season. They had a six game lead with 10 games to play the Phillies right. to get to the World Series and blew a six game lead with 10 to play because Gene Mock kept pitching Jim Bunning and Chris Short on two days rest. Wow. So there you go. So I didn't overwork him, Jack. He's backstage right now as he comes to the Philly sports guy defense saying that I'm like a manager who's working a team too hard pitchers and I'm going to run through the Philly sports guy and he's not going to be able to perform and we'll lose the World Series. So we'll have the Philly guy back with his response to not winning the World Series uh, right after these messages, folks. We'll be right back. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, but you're aching your in stomach here, this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those Speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer Gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Joe's presents Chester Cheetah. I'm Chester Cheetah. I'm just a cool dude in a loose mood. Until I see those Cheetos. Then my cool turns to drool. My style and ease surrender to my urge for the snack that goes crunch. It's not easy being cheesy. Cheetos cheese flavored snack. Cheese that goes crunch. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do. Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido baby. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them. I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. 
Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandito song and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, 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 bunch of Fritos corn chips. If you talk and they will hear you. Every single time. Oh, we get killed. Yeah, well, Carl's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Carl's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's the first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um... Nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Mac and Jack and Jim. This week in Sports Show, we're on live every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. Jim couldn't join us today because of a birthday party slash Mother Day's party for his 87-year-old mom. Him and his family are there right now celebrating. And if they are listening, happy birthday and happy Mother's Day, Mom. So um, I don't, they're probably not listening. Mac, Mac, you really think Jim is listening in on us now with his family? They're there to celebrate. Do you think they're sitting down? Oh, let's put on the Mac and Jack, you know, and Jim this week in sports. They made the trip across the country to see the mom and they get the family together. I don't think they're sitting and watching us well, now. Well, you know, I mean, Jim could be saying, hey, mom, this is what I do on Sundays, right? So these are the two ding-dongs I hang out with on Sunday morning, every Sunday. So, you know, it's possible. Just out of curiosity alone, you never know. So let's bring up the Philly sports guys. My One of my uh, best friends off the air, uh, Jamie Pags. He's an incredible job uh, when he's not dressed up and yelling like a madman uh, and, and reviewing all sports. And, of course, if you want to know anything about Philly sports, uh, this is the guy that you want to talk to, uh, Jamie Pags. The Philly sports guy. Let me bring him up and let's see if I can find his banner too. What's going on, Pags? Good morning. See now, if he wasn't tuned in, he is right now. Right, right. Just, like he was just, here to watch me, not necessarily YouTube, but definitely watch me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I agree with that. So you know what? It's um, funny when when now now after listening to those commercials without seeing them, I, I don't know if it's if, if it's ever the same. 
I know, but I gave you I gave you a good lead in packs. The worst collapse in Philadelphia sports history, the 64 Philadelphia Phillies, who blew a six-game lead with 10 games to play. Imagine had social media been in effect during that time. Yeah, it kind of would have been like the Mets in 2007, right? Seven-game lead with 17 to play. Not quite as bad, but it's in the same league. In that same ballpark, definitely. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. Social definitely. media was around then. So Yes. Yes, it was. Pags, I want to thank you, first of all, for filling in yesterday for me. Uh, a little hung up, and I'm glad you did it. You did a tremendous job, you, Jack, and Dr. Paul. Uh, really did a good job on the show, uh, as I knew you would. So thanks for that. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, to your mom, if she's still around, if she's not up in heaven, happy Mother's Day to her. You know what I mean? So uh, I appreciate that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I've lost both my grandmother and my mother. So, you know, that yeah. is what it is. But I, I do have a mother of my children, and I will make sure to pass that on to her. Very good. Very good. So, Pags, you know, the biggest story in Philadelphia right now is the 76ers, right? Down 2-0. to oh, And B comes in with his mask. Shuts down the middle, uh, rebounds like he's supposed to the defense. There's no more put-back-ins, offensive rebounds. There's no more uh, just give it to the guy and let him do a layup. That's all done. Uh, and even made, I think it was 18, 19 points he scored, uh, half, half being able to see. I mean, of course, his presence out there picked the whole 76ers team up. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the Philadelphia 76ers and how they always seem to be one player away. I mean, you know, Simmons and Embiid, and you don't have that third guy, and now you got, you know, uh, I think Maxi would be your number two uh, guy right now at this time. Harden comes over, but he's not the same James Harden. And, you know, without Embiid there, I think you guys would be down three to nothing, Pags. Uh, I'd agree with that. Yeah, you know, without MB. I, I, however, interestingly enough, I thought that game two had MB just been there on the court, that that game would have been a lot different. Uh, and I think you saw that in game three. I, I don't think MB played MVP at all. You know what I mean? He just happened to be on the court, and him being on the court commands so much attention. You know, it, it you know. Is it Adebayo who uh, just he, – yeah. he was neutralized, completely neutralized, where he was running amok beforehand. And, they, I mean, what, they only scored like 79 points? That was the worst output uh, – second worst output ever in their history? There's a lot to be said for that. You know what I mean? Does Do I think that that's going to happen today? Mm, that's That's – to, to be seen. I don't think it's going to be such a low scoring game. I feel that the Sixers are going to have to score more points. Uh, they're going to have to start shooting a little bit better. Uh, but I like the fact that there wasn't those second and third chances. The offensive rebounds were killing the Sixers in the, in the first two games, where now I feel that that just goes away with Embiid because now you could dedicate more people for under the basket because Embiid's usually going to be out, you know, covering whoever it is. And it's not as, it's not, like I said, you actually have somebody who's going to be able to carry his share of the water. 
as I, as I like to say. Yeah, you know, last game, James Harden came out with a renewed energy. He really was enthusiastic, seemed to be playing hard on defense. But again, and he got into foul trouble early. And it, he just had an ordinary game. Maybe it's time to change up our expectations of James Harden and accept he's no longer the superstar that the Sixers thought they might be getting, that he's just a very good player. Let him perform as a very good piece of that team and and take it from there. I think there's a bit of a reliance on the duo of Embiid and Harden. Obviously, the Sixers have to rely heavily on Embiid because if they don't, they'll go only as far as Embiid takes them at the end of the day. But with James Harden, maybe we should lower expectations and look at him for the player he is now, not for the player he was. And he's a very good player right now. He's just not a superstar anymore. Well, and, and so I feel like the expectations on Harden to return the form of when he was 26 years old is was unrealistic to begin with. Mm. I mean, he's been a great player throughout the years. And, and – Obviously, over the last two, three years, even he's been, you know, he's le- his game has lessened. And that doesn't, you know, but when, when you think about that, if it was me playing basketball and my game lessened, you wouldn't notice because I'd still stink. But he was great. You know what I mean? So he was going from great to good. And I think that, you know, like I, I think that when he got here, those first couple of games where it was, hey, I, you know, first off, he came in rested for, you know, a month, you know, and then the first four games he played was out of his mind because he's got to play with a new team and it was a new look. And all of a sudden you had to figure out how to play this team because there was a whole new aspect to them. Now, well, tape's been out. You've learned how to play against them. And he's reverted back to kind of how he played with the Nets, you know, and that's not a bad thing. It's just a thing, you know, it's just who he is as a player. Now, is there going to be spurts of brilliance? Probably. Is it going to be an every night type of situation? Absolutely not. Because he's, it's, he's just not built that way anymore. He's 32 years old. The guy likes to go out and party a little bit. And, you know, eventually that starts to take a toll. And ultimately, all he needs to do is to be able to get, like, I think he needs to score somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 points a game, do a, you know, get people in a little bit of foul trouble where, you know, driving the lane and, and getting fouls and feeding both Maxi and Embiid and sometimes Harris in the mix. And, and I think that that's all you really need from him. Do the Sixers need another player after that? Maybe, you know what I mean? I, I, I guess we're going to find out next year. Obviously, I, I, there's rumors that he is going to accept his fifth-year option for the $47 million, which means that he's going to be here at least one more year in Philadelphia, which I like. I actually I, I prefer that he only take that option and they have to wait another year before they give him a contract because I do not want to see him get the max. I don't feel he's worth it. No. But I do believe that you know, do another year. Give us then, if you want to be here, give us a little bit of a hometown discount then. You know what I mean? Let's get a championship. If, if it becomes more a matter of winning the rings, 
and the ring is going to solidify you as a Hall of Famer and as, you know, it satisfies the child in you where, you know, when you were eight years old and you were, you know, counting down on your in your own backyard saying five, four, three, and you're throwing that shot up, two, one, ah, oh, we win the championship. You know what I mean? It's those are the types of things that you dream about and you daydream and you play about when you're a youth. When you get older, you forget about those times a little bit, but ultimately they're still there. And I feel that the ring solves those problems. And if he does, if they don't get it this year, there is still that thought process that you want to get it. And, well, Pat, Pat yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at the 76ers, and a lot of people said, "Well, Miami just shot terrible last night." They did; they, their percentage was way down. But there's a lot, a lot bigger of a difference when you have to shoot to win as opposed to shoot because you want to shoot, right? I mean, if you're ahead and you're calm and you're and, and you know that that you know you're shooting not to lose, you know you're just shooting to win. It's a lot different when the pressure is on you. So I don't expect Miami to have a terrible shooting game this next game. I expect Embiid to play a little bit better. I just don't know still if they can beat Miami with the way Embiid is, uh, Pags, to be honest with you. I don't think Miami's played that well at all. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I felt like I felt like even Embiid's presence in game one and game two could have won those games for the Sixers. Uh, now, uh, again, I, I, I may be talking out of turn. Obviously, both of those games wound up double-digit losses, but those double-digit losses really came about in the last five minutes of the game when the, when the Sixers were really trying to force shots to get closer, and they never were able to make them. Where uh, the Heat you know, was in, in the lead the entire way from the first point, the first basket scored all the way to the end of the game, both the game one and two, the Heat were ahead. Uh, obviously, that was different in game three. And I expect that today is going to be a little bit different. It's probably going to be today is really the first game of the series. I feel for real where I Miami Miami needs the win because they need to go up three games to one before they go back, go back home. And I feel that the Sixers need this win to tie it back up and make it a three game series. Thanks. And let me let me just cut in with because we're talking about Harden would the Sixers have been better off and no one asked this question if they didn't make the deal for Harden and decided let Ben Simmons sit out the year we got Curry and we got Drummond if Curry and Drummond was with the Sixers now instead of James Harden would the Sixers have a better chance of winning an NBA title this year Good I, I don't know about winning the NBA title Beating winning Miami. This, winning this series, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, you know, so and I and I feel that Drummond would have made the biggest difference in game one and game two. Without Embiid, Drummond, Drummond would have it, it would have been much different games. The second and third looks that Miami was getting on the offensive Man, board ridiculous. would have never have happened. And that's ridiculous. the biggest, biggest thing. And I tell you, I think both of them are going to be back next year. I absolutely. I mean, wow. you already see Curry in the stands. You are, and, and Drummond has already let it known that he does not want to stay with Brooklyn, and that he. I think Curry was at the back. stands in the Sixer game. 
Yes, he was. Well, Doc Rivers is his father-in-law, so maybe. So, well, yeah, was- but I don't know. I see. <laughs> I, I think that. Very true. Yeah. You know, if you know, and I, I don't know what's going on with Doc. I mean, I, <laughs> I like I said, I feel that it might be possible that he's not here, especially if they lose this series. Uh, but I think that the fact that they traded Curry away. If by something was to happen with Doc, I don't think that that would deter Curry from wanting to be here. It's your father-in-law. Yeah, I don't know if you're not necessarily always chummy with your father-in-law. Mac, I Mac. know that they got basketball and stuff, but Mac, imagine this: the Phillies continue to lose, and they're dreadful. And the Sixers oh. get lose the next couple of games, and they call Pags in. And they say, Pags, you can only keep one of these coaches, but they're coaching the next five years, either Girardi or Doc Rivers. One of them you have, one stays the next five years. Who does Pags have stay? I don't. I don't make that decision. Pags uh, I would gives rather... up being a Philly fan. He throws in the towel. Yeah, uh, I, am, I am not going to make that decision. <laughs> Pags, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Phillies. Um. They got a doubleheader with the Mets today. They've lost three out of the four to the Mets. What happens today? Do they sweep the Mets or they split or they get swept? What's going to happen today? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. See, the hardest part about this is that 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 historic loss, and I can only call it a historic loss because when you break a streak of 326 games in a row, where a team has won in the ninth inning when they've been up by six runs, and all of a sudden that streak is done, that does a couple of things. I think for the team that won, it has the potential to possibly propel them to uh, just great things because now you never feel like you're out of it. This is your division rival, and you just came back and won that game. You know, and – you know, I, I would really say that the Mets didn't necessarily win it as much as the Phillies lost it. I feel like between Girardi's, uh, you know, bringing the pitchers in that just got beaten up by the Mets the last time they faced, you know, literally you're putting them back in the same position and, and now all of a sudden they just gave it up. Uh, I feel that it, it was more of their bad pitching than Mets timely hitting. However, you needed both to make it happen. Yeah. You don't just yeah. score seven runs, uh, luckily. You know what I mean? Yes. I just, but I feel that the pitching, the pitching probably was more of the reason than the hitting. That being said, you know, when you when you're the Mets, well, that that could be a springboard to having a season where you're, you know, winning 105 to 110 games, which is really really difficult to do. Well, Pags, uh, we all we all knew the biggest problem you guys had coming in this year was pitching especially in the relief area we knew that the Phillies chose to go with powered out slug teams and you know it works sometimes but it's sure not going to work all the time well and the bullpen's been a lot better than it was last year it just I mean this uh, of course credit for how he's handled the bullpen well you know but then again I give him I give him you know the the loss because of the way he handled it last game you know, Familia had 10 pitches, could have gone back out there. His his spot doesn't come up in the lineup anymore. So it's not like you have to Familia's worry about what the pitcher he was years ago with the Mets. He went to well, Oakland back to the Mets. Doesn't matter. We even when the Mets announcers say we've never seen him get out there. Yeah, you know, get, I, get I, out I agree with P- 
Pags 100%. I am so tired of these guys just pulling people because uh, inning or it's 10. I am so tired of that. What happened to the setup guy? What happened to this guy that pitches two, three innings and he and he holds the team in check and then the closer comes in? They don't do that no more. So if you had somebody like a Mario no. Rivera pitching today, they was pitching with the Yankees today and he was their setup guy. How many innings would they let Mario pitch? One inning? So, I, I mean, I agree with what Pax is saying for the most part. I mean, listen, if the pitcher's having a bad time, yank him. Yeah, definitely. But what happens to the setup guy that we used to have that would come in and pitch? Two like Jeff seven? Nelson with the yeah, Yankees. Exactly. Yes. There you go. What happened Great. to that? We're just, we're just going to pull pitchers every inning? I mean, to me, that makes no sense. You got to have a feel for while the pitcher is pitching. The familiars bone him down, let him go again until he till he till something happens. I mean, that just makes sense to me. I don't get this whole. If we're going by pitch counts, give him twenty five pitches. You know I, what mean, I mean, he went through Pags, ten. He Pags, went through ten. Yeah, I mean, Pags, listen. If he's ha- if he's pitching really well, let him pitch. I'm so tired of these people just pulling people out because. Well, of- let's think about you know, and let's go back even a little bit further. For the last two starting pitchers that the Phillies have had, have pitched 14 and two-thirds inning, gave up like seven hits and one run, and they lost both games. Yeah, come on, man. Let's yeah, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and like 78 pitches, 78 pitches, and he pulled he pulled uh, Wheeler. Or, yeah. yeah, Wheeler. And, yeah. and then seven and two-thirds innings, and I think he was barely – I think it was barely at 100. I don't know that he was even at 100. I mean, if you gave him the, the rest of the eighth inning, you know what I mean, it, then he could have brought Familia in in the ninth. I mean, well, there was some... This is what they'll tell you, Bex. Well, if he has a rough inning, then he's way up over 120. If, 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 if. If the guy's pitching well, leave him. It just makes sense to me. I don't want to hear the third time through the lineup either. I've seen pitchers go through their third time through a lineup and keep mowing them down because their stuff is that good. They adjust. Pitchers adjust as much as hitters do, right? If I'm throwing fastballs at 98 miles an hour and I'm striking people up, then maybe the third time through the inning I throw a little bit more breaking balls. Those are real pitchers, right? They know what's going on. So I don't want to hear all that too. I, I get so tired in general of all this nonsense. And it comes back to bite people more than they think. And I, I just don't get it anymore. So managers I, I agree. scared because of the analytics situation. They know the GMs. See, and there, there's that bad. word. There's the word that, that really is tied to Girardi that he overdoes, we believe. Yeah. Not and again, I, who am I to say that I, I'm wrong? Because obviously he's been in baseball a lot longer than I have. I, he gets paid millions of dollars to coach a team, and I can be a Monday morning quarterback. Right. That being said, his analytics, when analytics take over your managing style completely, you're you're not letting the game itself actually dictate. You let are me, just worrying about what the numbers are saying. Let me give you a great example, all right? And this has to do with batters. When Bucky Dent came up and there was two men on, the right thing to do, and of course I know their bench was was hurting there. The right thing to do would be pull Bucky Dent and put a better hitter in, right? Against a Red Sox Yankee one game playoff, you mean? Bucky yeah. Dent hits the three run home run. Now he only hit like twenty home runs his whole career, something ridiculous. But this is what I'm talking about. The guy you put in might have grounded out. 
I mean, you don't know until something happens. And to me, you got to trust in your players. And to me, what this does is tell that relief pitcher or tell that starter, hey, I got no faith in you. And if, if if that's the message you're sending, I don't care if you pitch. And, you know, a lot of these guys will say, oh, yeah. I know deep down they're thinking, listen, man, I was mowing through this damn team, and you pulled me out and we lost the game because you have no faith in me anymore. And to me, that means more to the players than than the analytics could ever matter, Pax. And, and here's the other thing. How do you go into the locker room? I mean, obviously – I, I mean, I've never played professional, so it's it's hard for me to determine and really fathom what that locker room is like after you were up seven to one going into the ninth inning and your, your pitcher was pitching amazing. You're, you're the relief pitcher that comes in right after him, mows them all down. And now you have you now you just lost the game against a division rival where you now went down seven games. It's it's we're in the first month of the season and you're yeah. down seven games from the division lead. Yeah. Now, do I think the Mets will come back down to earth? I think so. You know, I mean, I don't think that they're they're really built. They don't have all the hitting the way that they need to to really win, I think, 102 games. But attitude is everything. Yeah. Attitude is everything. And now, you know, like I said, that that win could propel them Please. in a way. Yeah, and we've had now close to 72 hours to stew on this. Pags, you know? when you but in all fairness, when you have a six-run lead, you do have a novelty in practically every case to think, okay, uh, like Familia, for example, I might want to use him in a day or two, so I don't want him to throw additional pitches. We have this game in hand. We're up six runs. No matter who we come in with, we should be in good shape with a six-run lead. So in fairness to Girardi, I don't think he played it wrong. Because let's face it, you have a six-run lead. It's not like the playoffs, the deciding game, where you're thinking ahead to the World Series. You know, so, so I, 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 I could almost agree with you there. Except for the fact that when it turns seven to three, you have to have a pitcher up and moving. And you should have yeah. two pitchers up and moving. And when it becomes seven to five, then you've got to really consider. It's like, okay, maybe this pitcher doesn't have it either. And I got to start bringing in somebody else. I mean, the, both <laughs> of those pitchers, it was less than 30 pitches. But packs for seven pray, runs. You should praise Girardi. He was a step ahead of the manager before him. Gabe Kapler went out to the mound and he called in for his reliever. And then there was no one warming up in the bullpen to come in and relief. Well, hey, listen, I, 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 I will always say that Girardi is probably better than Kapler. However, Kapler, Kapler was a rookie coach. Kapler, Kapler was a rookie coach, and then all of a sudden he wins a whole bunch of games, but didn't win in the playoffs either. So ultimately, there is, you know, I, I, I can give a little bit of kudos to Kapler for when he went out to San Francisco, but not much. He's not doing You're so well. Seven year. games. You give him a lot of kudos. Come on. Right. Pat. But yeah, but, but they Pulling also lost in the first round of the playoffs. But they so. lost to the Dodgers on a controversial called strike at the end. It was like they lost a nail biter in five games. Best out of five to the Dodgers. So well, I yeah, and that's and that's hey, that is what it is. It's not my fault. They had home field advantage during that, did they not? It's not it's like it's not my fault. Don't be blaming you, buddy. <laughs> Folks, the Philly sports guy is incredible, knows everything about Philly sports, is all over all his teams, a true fan. 
and and can dissect the Philly sports. And he's honest too. That's what I like about about Pags. He may give a little bit of a nudge to the Phillies and the Philadelphia teams, but when it comes down to it, he's honest about what's going on. So, he doesn't like contract extensions. No, not at all. And I don't blame him. Neither do I. So, Pags, I want to thank you again for taking over yesterday. Thank you for coming in. We always enjoy having you. And, of course, I'll be talking to you later, my friend. All right, guys. Happy Mother's Day. I'm surprised there was no Flyers talk. No, not this thing. First thing he did when he got on yesterday was talk about the Flyers. He mentioned the Flyers. So, I figured I had to bring him up. I'm going to just say this. One year ago, one year ago in Philly sports, the four major sports, I just want to say quickly, the Eagles were number four amongst the four major teams. And now they're trending to number one in Philadelphia. Yeah, how about well, that. Just, you know, and it's, you think about I, I remember the days back in 1980 when uh, when all four teams went consecutively to the championship round. I mean, only the Phillies won that year, but all four. Yeah, that was like the golden era of Philadelphia sports. And I feel like that that's coming again really soon. We're going to be talking about that. And the Philly sports guy is going to be just wearing belt after belt after belt. Pags, you know, I, was, I, was championships. Start, I was ready to start singing memories for a minute there, Pags. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Have a great day, Pags. We'll see you soon, my friend. Happy Mother's Day, guys. You too. So there you go, folks. The Philly sports guy, J.B. Pags. Always love to have him on. And, and if you love Philly sports, that's who you tune into. He's got all everything going on, social media, Instagram, TikTok. He's all over the place. Tune into him. Check him out. As a Philly sports guy, as I said, crazy as hell. But when he knows he's on a on, on a, a, a sports show, very intricate, very uh, detailed, great guy to have on. We'll be right back after these messages, folks. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFO-LINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. Here comes the king, here comes the big number one. But why the beer, the king is second to none. Just say, but why the, you've said it all. Here comes the king of beer, so let your glasses hear the call. But why the beer's the one that's leading the rest. And beach for aging makes it beer at its choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex's and adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. 
and it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience, August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the Fireman's Chili Cook-Off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Welcome back to the Mac, Jack, and Jim. This week in sports show, as I said before, folks, Jim Jeffcoat is out. He's celebrating his birthday and Mother's Day with his mother, with the rest of the family. So happy Mom's Day to his mom. Um, we're live every Sunday here, 8 to 10 a.m. with this week in sports. The Mac and Jack sports show goes on Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. We're live on Roku TV, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook and some other spots that will be carrying our show later. Um, you know, uh, the dream ride, Jack, I want to talk about a little bit real quick. Um, folks, the 26th through the 28th, I'm almost positive. I just saw I've been there before and I've been there in a couple capacities. The event is awesome. I mean, what they do with these kids, they treat them like royalty for a weekend. There's so much stuff going on that uh, food vendors, everything's going on over there, uh, the car shows and motorcycle shows, all to raise money for these people who are mentally challenged. So uh, if you get a chance, it's in Farmington Polo Grounds in Connecticut, go up and check it out and check out what the kind of work they do. There's all kinds of sports personalities there. We'll be there with Jamie Pags, the Philly sports guy this year, and helping to raise money. Uh, we are an official sponsor of them. It's a great cause uh, that I that I love being part of. Um, so anyway, folks, if you get a chance, go there. If you don't, go to dreamride.org and donate to this great cause as they raised $3 million last year and have raised over $20 million for these, these uh, mentally challenged people and, and, and great cause. So check it out, please, if you would. Um, a couple other things to talk about. Monday, tomorrow night. The number one show on YouTube, Glove Fist. Now, there was a little mess up, technically, uh, last week. They still destroyed it in the views. 
I was surprised. I thought they would lower their views. They didn't. They came back on strong. Um, right now, they have surpassed the number two show. That was number one, Start Spreading the News, which has become our number one Twitter program. So, I mean, they go back and forth, uh, both of these great shows. They're both on Monday night, Jack and Frank Letirzo on Glove Fist and Dr. Paul and Dr. Fagan on Start Spreading the News, both Monday night on YouTube, Roku, and, and, and a couple other places, too. So check them out. So, Jack... I want this, of course, is a part where we talk and give our opinions and 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 talk about the biggest uh, stories in sports. Uh, I guess I'd like to talk about the NBA first, right? I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the 76ers. Uh, you know, the Grizzlies uh, get blown out uh, by uh, the Warriors. Uh, John ja Morant gets hurt. Six minutes left in the game. The uh, Warriors uh, 142. The Grizzlies 112. Um, if they lose John ja Morant, uh, Jack, is that series over? Uh, yeah, I would think so. But <clears throat> I'll tell you, the Grizzlies are playing with house money. They can lose the next two to Golden State, bow out, losing in five games. And they've had a great year. Everyone's happy. I mean, it's all gravy, you know, for now for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, they've already exceeded expectations this year. They've taken the next step in the franchise towards a championship. Of course, if you have a chance to win it, you go for it because you never know what could happen later on. Uh, I remember the Minnesota Timberwolves some years ago with Tom Thibodeau as their head coach. They seem to be a team of the future it only seemed to be a matter of time before they'd be contending for the NBA title. And then they flamed out, so you never know. Maybe that would be the case with the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies have played very well without Jay Morant. Keep that in mind. Yeah. But I think when all said and done, Golden State is just flat out better. I know the Grizzlies grabbed the game in Golden State. It gave them a lot of hope. But yesterday's blowout by Golden State showed that the Warriors kind of restored order to the series. They kind of showed they were the better team. And even though the Grizzlies are going to fight hard to the end, you know, I, I can't see them over, overcoming the Warriors at this point. But it's a great year for Memphis regardless. But if Golden State should lose this series, it's a big disappointment for their franchise. So that's where the differences lie. You know, I think the biggest wild card in this, uh, in this series is Jordan Poole, right? He's a new, younger guy who he put up 27 to, to Curry's 30. He, he can take over a game himself. There's a future there, too, with the Warriors. A lot of times these older teams, right, they kind of they, they run with what they got till they can't run no more. The Warriors are smart. The Warriors not only got the, the veterans there that can do it, the Clays and, the, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, Steph and, and uh, the third guy, Dremon Green, I mean, these guys are warriors. They, they've been around for a while. But when you get an exciting young player uh, like Jordan Poole coming in, Jack, that causes you to flip a little bit, right? It gives you a hope for the future, too. So very good job by the Warriors finding this guy, uh, bringing him on, and, and him kind of coming into his own this year. Well, let's see. Time's going to really tell how good Jordan Poole really is. He's on a nice run right now. He's obviously a talented player who's playing extremely well, but I'm a little apprehensive. I kind of just want to hold off a little bit because when guys come out of nowhere 
and they're really outstanding for a while. I'm not that sure that they're going to sustain it. I'm not saying that Jordan Poole won't. I just want to wait and see a little longer. You got to keep in mind the other players around him yeah. would tend to make him maybe a little better than he actually was. If he had to burden the main part of the responsibility himself, be a true leader on that team, that you know, it might play out a little differently. True. Great points. Great points. Uh, the the Bucks hold off the Celtics at the end. They can't get the ball to go in the basket at the end to win that game. Giannis plays out of his mind. Uh, Tatum plays terribly. Um, but they still only lose by one jack, and they had the ball at the rim. Just couldn't get it to go in. So, I mean, the Celtics are still there. Yeah. Can, can the Bucks put the Celtics away? I think it's a seven-game series. And the Bucks being up 2-1, I think it's a little more important for them than the Celtics being up 2-1 in a sense because Chris Middleton is out for Milwaukee. He might be back soon, but he's been out for them. Their number two play on the team, some people might say it's Drew Holiday, but Chris Middleton is the consensus Robin to Giannis's Batman on that team. And Giannis is He's showing why. I mean, I guess you might have to say he's the best player in the NBA I now. Would. A few weeks ago, a lot of people, myself included, may have leaned towards Kevin Durant still. But I think the events of the last few weeks and the way Giannis has really carried the Bucs uh, show there's no better player in the NBA. We could say Jokic. We could say, you know, Luka. We could say Steph Curry. You know, we could say Durant, we could say a couple of more, but is there really a better player than Giannis? Is there is there more a more impactful player for a team? Let's put it that way, who impacts his team positively than Giannis does, and I would think not. I mean, I think Giannis is a total pitcher. I'll, I'll throw Embiid in there too, right? Embiid, uh, right? I'm sorry, I, I, that's the oversight of the day. Obviously. If you're going to say who's the best player in the NBA, Embiid has to seriously enter the discussion. But listen, let's see what goes on in the playoffs. If Embiid could bring his team back and they beat Miami and they're making this deep playoff run, yeah, we have to consider Embiid as the number one guy, especially if the Celtics come back and beat the Bucs. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, I mean, Giannis and Embiid are probably the two of the most complete players of all those you named, right? Defensively, offensively, rebounds, assists, they're all over the place, and they never stop. Their motors never stop. Go ahead, Jack. And I will say this, Mac. You notice Embiid tends to get frustrated at times. He doesn't right. rip into players, doesn't rip into the coaches, but you know he gets very frustrated. Nothing seems to bother Giannis. He's yeah. the coolest cat. Even when the guy had trouble shooting foul shots, the fans would be mocking him. They couldn't get to him at all. I mean, he was zoned into what he had to do 100%. And, uh, and he brings out the best in his teammates as well. Can you honestly say that Embiid brings out the best in his teammates? You know, I'm not sure about that. Maybe, I, maybe I, not. I, I, I agree. Giannis, I could say so, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I think Giannis is the best in the league right now. But Embiid's close. 
and of course, very so close. And, so and then beats in position where he could be called number one before the playoffs are over if this, he could bring the Sixers back. I agree with that too. Um, so NHL, the Capitals beat the Panthers six to one, Jack, a two to one lead. Six different Capitals score, um, each with a goal. I mean, we expected the Panthers to go in there and take care of business, and the Capitals yeah. have different ideas. I mean, they're playing playing out of their minds right now. I'm going to tell you, you know, I was located in Florida for the winter, and I got to follow the Panthers very closely. And the feeling was that the Panthers maybe had overtaken the Tampa Bay Lightning as, you know, a better team, the best team in Florida, maybe the best team in the NHL. You know, the Lightning, of course, are the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. And the Panthers were playing so great during the years. And what's happening to them against the Washington Capitals? I mean, it just shows us what we know every year with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Some type of surprise happens. And some team that we had high expectations for could be bitterly disappointed. But with that said, Panthers are only down 2-1. Yeah. But they, you don't want, you go down three one, obviously in very serious trouble in the best four out of seven. I I kind of feel they're going to turn it around against the Capitals, but I never would have thought they'd be down two one at this point and get blown out of Game Three. Yeah, me. that was a surprise to me. Avalanche, speaking of the best hockey team in the league, up three to nothing with a seven three uh, victory. Gabriel, I'm gonna hopefully I get this right. Uh, Landskirk with two goals and assist in the game. Um, you know, I don't know who's going to stop the Avalanche, Jack, to be honest with you. They're just – they seem to just be on a roll. And I think they, they could have a really good shot of winning this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, let's wait and see on that. I mean, it, obviously they're going to get by this round. And let's see who they play next round. And we always tend to have these – I don't want to say Cinderella teams, an unexpected team – step up look look at last year the montreal canadians went to the finals and this year they had the worst team in the nhl true true penguins jump out to a four to one in the first quarter go to beat the rangers seven to four jeff carter and evan rodriguez with two goals apiece the rangers goalie had a little bit of problems last night jack he's a young kid he's gonna have his problems but all year he's been aces right He's been one of the reasons why the Rangers are working as potentially the best goalie in the NHL, arguably. I mean, the best goalie in the NHL. And he's an MVP candidate, Mac. And he just had a rough time. There were a couple of deflections. Yes. Okay. Sometimes we watch a game and even the replay doesn't show us the magnitude of a deflected puck. But the interesting thing, when they fell down 4-1, he got replaced by uh, Gorgiev, the backup goalie. Gallant, the head coach, made that move. That was reminiscent of Trediak being taken out of the 1980 Olympics. You won't expect that, your franchise player. The guy who got you there, the guy who's found away, the MVP of the Rangers, got replaced. And you know it wasn't because of attitude. The coach wanted to give a team a spark, and it actually was working a bit. Let me ask you this, Mac, which I don't understand why hockey's changed. The Rangers had come back. They tied it up. And then the Penguins were up 5-4 with a little under three minutes left. And they pulled a goalie to get the extra skate up. Why do it with so much time left? 
I remember they used to wait until there was a minute, a little more than a minute. You know, there's no need to pull a goalie with close to three minutes because maybe a team could score in the meantime. The majority of the time, we were talking about analytics before. When teams pull goalies, I'd love to see what the analytics are. Because I get a feeling, Max, Mac, it's similar to making an onside kick in football. An onside kick in football, they say the percentage is something like one out of ten you're going to do it. How often are you going to score a goal when your team has an empty net? Because psychologically, you're going to have a player or two lie back anyway to kind of defend from mid-ice. Okay? And what happened, the Penguins scored on the open net, and then the Rangers left the net open, and then they scored again. But I kind of feel, wait till there's about a minute, and there's an icing that decided, you know, or the ice where uh, you have possession near the other team's goalie before you pull it, your man for an extra skate. It's not done anymore like that. That's how it, it makes, used to be done. It makes, it makes sense to me, Jack. I mean, yeah, you got one extra offensive guy, but you got nobody in goal. And <laughs> I mean, you could just flick it out there. If it gets through everybody, it's in the net if you got some kind of aim. I agree with you. Way too early to, for me, too. Uh, pulling that goalie. I got to tell you, a crazy play happened yesterday. I forgot the player's name. Uh, what happened? The Penguins had a power play. The Rangers committed. Yeah, but what happened when you're on the power play, they don't blow the whistle while you still have possession of the puck. So teams send their own goalie to the bench, and they have an extra skate until there's a stop and play. So the Penguin player has it on the Rangers' side of the goal. And he flicks it along the boards to keep it in play. But it goes all the way down the ice. And his goal is empty and it hits the post. He nearly scored for the Rangers. That would have been one of the great bloopers of, you know, NHL playoff history. Had the Penguins lost the game. Had that not hit the post, the Rangers may have actually won the game. Listen, I, I I was watching, I think it was the Penguins Rangers, when the guy actually got the stick knocked out of his hand, he chased him from behind and tackled the guy. I, I've never seen that in hockey, Jack. It's probably happened before. I've never seen that before. Wow. So without his without his stick, he chases the, the Ranger down. I think he scored anyway, but he ended up trying to tackle a guy. I just yeah. I've never seen that. So that's kind of crazy too. Um so uh, the Stars, the Stars beat Calgary they, with a 4-2 win. They're up 2-1. to one. Calgary, I, that's a weak division to me, Jack. The, the, the division Calgary in is probably the weakest division in hockey. If you look at regular season anyway, I think it's the weakest division in there. I think Calgary could get bumped off. Well, Minnesota uh, hockey guy Carter mentioned them as a potential dark horse. If any team's going to completely unexpectedly, you know, win the Stanley Cup, and he had to pick someone really unexpected to do it. Minnesota would maybe be at the top of his list. Right, right. So we'll see what happens with that. Let's get the MLB and some scores there. Uh, the Reds, they split with the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, 9-2, to 8-5. The Dodgers uh, win 7-0 uh, and 6-3. to three. The Dodgers are just... Biden Kershaw has been pitching well. We thought he was past his peak and that he was... Fading, he's pitching like the Clayton Kershaw we've known throughout his career. Magnificent. I, I would not want to be a baseball team playing the Dodgers. That's just almost like unfair. Um, the Twins won the A's nothing. 
Twins, and we know about the A's problems. The Twins uh, playing pretty well. Uh, the Blue Jays split with Cleveland, eight to three and two to eight. Um, the Astros. Eight, eight to two, Mac. We don't talk back. Well, I, I'm doing the. I'm doing in order. So, so, so Cleveland won eight three, but they lost two to eight. Okay. Astros beat Detroit three to two. Chicago beats Boston three to one. I think Boston is all done, Jack. You know, last year I was really high on Boston. This year I wasn't yeah. so high on Boston. Just something about them this year. When I was reading last year. I read about a lot of their younger players and and because I'm from this area, so I, I can't help but even though I'm not a Red Sox fan per se, um, I'm a Yankee fan, but I get a lot of articles on Boston and it looks really good. Pitching staff, their young players. I said, they're going to shot at, at really contending this year. This year, I really didn't read that. I I didn't read nothing that gave me the inkling that Boston would, re, would, would be back up there again. And that's why I didn't say anything this year. And right now, Boston is kind of in a, in a, in a bad place, Jack. I trust you, Mac, after last year, because I was the one who said, come July, the Sox are going to be cooked. They're not going to be in contention. And they made the playoffs like yeah. you had predicted. You were high on them last year. And, uh, you know, there's a little dissension <clears throat> going on in Boston because Bogarts is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And he wants one of these crazy 10-year deals that he sees other players occasionally get. And the Red Sox have done their due diligence. They say 10-year deals don't work. It's bad for the team. Just look at Robertson Cano, Albert Pujols. Yeah. You think that the Texas Rangers, uh, the 10-year deal for Corey Seager is going to make any sense at all. They give me $325 million. It's ridiculous. So Bogarts is probably, he wants to stay in Boston, but he knows he's probably going to be going. So he's unhappy. And you have Trevor Story, who they signed to a long-term deal in the offseason. And now the Red Sox are having second thoughts. Was that really a good deal to sign Trevor Story? They have him at second base, but he's going if Bogarts leaves, he's going to be the shortstop. Chris Sale has been injured, hasn't been able to really come back the right way, has had setbacks. So you, I got to believe what you're saying. It's a bit messy in Boston. It doesn't look like they're going to make a playoff run this year. Yeah, and, and Rinky just came back, which will kind of help him a little bit. The Braves beat Milwaukee 3-2. to two. Uh, Colorado gets beats the hell out of San Diego, 8 to nothing. The Nationals beat the Angels 7-3. to And the Rays beat Seattle 8-2. to two. I got a hot take for you, Jack. I've been thinking about this. I've been sitting there, and we know, we know the quarterback class is nothing to really brag about this year. They may have a couple good quarterbacks end up walking out and, 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 and breaking out, maybe being game managers. I really believe Corral is going to have a great NFL career, Jack. What do you think about that? Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm thinking of all these quarterbacks drafted – who is going to get the first opportunity? Now, let's not talk about Pickett. Uh, I think I don't think Pickett's going to start for mm. that Steelers this year, not in the beginning. But the guys who were taken out of the first round, like Desmond Ritter, he went to the Falcons, and the Falcons have Marcus Mariota as a starter. So that 
So at some point, Ritter's going to get his chance over there. Matt Corral, he's behind Sam Donald, but he was picked in the third round. In other words, if Donald plays really well, his job's not going to be in danger. They'll stick it out with him. Um, Malik Willis at Tennessee. If Ryan Tannenhill's really going to have to play poorly to lose the job to Malik Willis. And, yeah, I mean, you just look at the different opportunities. Uh, Sam Howell, believe it or not, a fifth-round selection by the Washington Commanders he might actually get an opportunity to play this year because he's behind Carson Wentz. Awesome. You know, unless Carson Wentz performs, if Carson Wentz doesn't perform, Sam Howell might get an amazing opportunity. Imagine that a fifth round draft choice could be starting before his first years out. Talk about a steal in the draft if Sam Howell's any good. Yeah, I, I just just mark my words, Jack. You're going to see this kid, Matt Corral. End up being Corral, taken in the third round. Yeah, I, th I yeah. think he's going to be really good. I just don't. I, I've watched some of his tape. I've 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 looked at. I think he's got some talent. So we'll see what you think happens. He's added, you think he's the best guy in this class, including Kenny Pickett and the rest yes. of the guys I mentioned? Yes, yes I do. Wow. I do. Then it's a steal. Then Carolina's addressed their quarterback issue. And and good thing they didn't pick up Baker Mayfield. These things happen for a reason, right, Jack? In life, we don't think they do. We say, ah, it's not true. You make your own luck. Things happen. It's right place, right time, right? If the yeah. Panthers pick up Baker Mayfield, Mackerel's not drafted by the Panthers. Sam Correct. Darnold, we know, is having problems there. Mackerel's the one they're going to turn to. And I wouldn't be surprised by the fourth game, Mackerel is starting. So we'll see what happens. Folks, have a great day today. Have a great Sunday. We're going to get away. We'll be back on Thursday, 8 to 10 a.m. Uh, with the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Be sure tomorrow night, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, Glove Fist with Jack Hirsch and Frank Letirzo, the best boxing show streaming today. And also check out, start spreading the news. If you love the Yankees or just kind of like them and maybe you don't even like them, you want to know what's going on with the Yankees, Dr. Paul and Dr. E.J. Fagan We'll give you all the information you can you can handle for the Yankees. So you guys have a great Sunday. Happy Mother's Day again. And, Jack, tell your wife for me, happy Mother's Day. And uh, you guys have a great day. Name to Linda there. All the best. Yeah.